<laughs> I didn't think so. I, I've been there, done that for like 30 minutes one day. Good, no, actually, it was you. like six hours. Okay, welcome everybody to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Caleb Jenks, coming to you live from East Texas, as I am in, I don't want to say the Rocky Mountains, but certainly the western Might as well say the Rocky Mountains. You say I'm in East Texas, so whatever. I thought you said you were in East Texas. I'm in Central Texas, all right? You got to get this right. Central Texas. Texas? Oh, yeah, East okay. Texas is like 500 miles away. It's like another country. <laughs> If you were on the East Coast, you'd have to travel through like six states <laughs> to, to get there. Okay, sorry. Let me try that again. Yeah, try it again. See As you get if it right anyone cares, Caleb's coming to you from Central Texas. So the four listeners that we have in Texas won't be offended. <laughs> so tonight, everybody, we are going to be talking about suicide. And, you know, leading up to this one, I was really trying to figure out, like, how are we going to do this without, you know, laughing and joking around like we always do? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know what to tell you. We we do that every time, you know, we get on here and ha we always have fun, even though this is, you know, a very uh, serious uh, topic, you know. So um, but either way, we are going to be talking about suicide. And I think the, the podcast is going to, going to go in a lot of different directions. So I'm excited about that. <clears throat> so we're going to see, you know, how it goes. We certainly want your questions and your comments. As always, it'll be a help. You know, it'll help us uh, along with the podcast. And, and, and we just love hearing from you as we do this. Now, with that being said, everybody, you have to remember that we are on Spotify and we are on Google Play. So please be sure to get on those. And we want you to uh, download these and like them and follow us on those, which is only going to help us uh, spread this podcast around. And if you are listening to the podcast, please join us live on Friday nights, 8 p.m. Rocky Mountain time, 9 p.m. Central Texas time. And you can get on uh, Facebook and find us. I think it is hashtag Bible Thumper 1611. And you can find our page. And no, it's, uh, oh, okay. I was to say, isn't it facebook.com slash Bible Thumper? But I guess you can do hashtag. Yeah, I thought there was just a handle that you could search for. Yeah, it's facebook.com forward slash Bible Thumper 1611. Okay, so you can see how tech savvy I am. It's not that hard. It's not like we had to battle it out for all the other people that wanted to name their page Bible Thumper. Okay, there's only one group of Yahoos on Earth that <laughs> thought it would be funny to, you know, put is, that up there. Is to a group? <laughs> there's a pair of Yahoos that thought it would be funny. So that's us, and, and we did that. So anyway... Um, be sure to uh, get on here and watch the live video and you can comment and you can kind of be a part of what we do. Next week, we're going to be going over the topic of children. Now, I know that's kind of a broad topic, but that's what we like to do. So we're not painted into a corner. We can talk about anything. So we're going to talk about <clears throat> raising children, uh, discipline, parenting, uh, that how children are a blessing. And we're going to go over, I'm sure, plenty of uh, personal anecdotes that are just going to be hysterical. So with that, 
we're going to get into the topic of suicide. So there's something I wanted to do before I went any further, and that is I'm going to put on the screen uh, that's going to stay up on the screen the entire time is a 1-800 number, which is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. So if you or anybody you know ever has thoughts about suicide, you can call this number and someone will answer and uh, hopefully that will be a help to everybody. And I'm going to type in suicide hotline and that's a national number. So there you go. Um, we are in no way affiliated with the suicide hotline. Correct. Yeah. So just um, make sure that you have that disclaimer so that if you call them that they are not thinking that we're uh, somehow yeah, we have associated nothing. with them. Yeah, we have anyway, nothing. because they would yeah. they would probably be ashamed to be anyway associated with Patrick or myself. Just like our families in every church we've attended, the suicide, national suicide hotline would probably not want to be associated with us. So, real quick, I called the number this evening, and I did that just to make sure that someone would answer. Because if not, I would kind of feel like an idiot putting this number up that went to nowhere. So, someone did answer. You want to guess how long me. I had? Go ahead. Please tell me you didn't hang up on them. No, no, no. I didn't. They, they, they. You know, they asked my name, and they're like, "Are you calling for yourself or someone else?" And I said, "Well, actually, neither." I said, "We're doing a podcast about suicide, and we want to put the number up on the screen." And I said, "I wanted to make sure that someone was going to be, you know, answering the phone that the phone." line worked before I put it up on the screen because it wouldn't do much. And if you're listening to us at home, the number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. So you want to guess how long I was on hold before someone answered? It was a how recording long? with a menu. Well, go ahead and take a guess. I mean, suicide is a pretty, yeah, it's over four and a half minutes. So, well, and I mean, I, I, mentioned that to the girl that answered and started talking to me and i said hey i'm, I'm so really you want not, your money back <laughs> yeah i said i'm really not that impressed that it took that long and she said i understand it is a problem but you have to understand you know we do the best we can there's only so many people uh on the phones at one time so she said um you know unfortunately you, you can't uh get someone to answer within a second or two every time someone calls so uh I don't know what to tell you. That, I don't know how encouraging that is, but that's the truth. So there you go. Okay, so, Caleb. Call at least five minutes ahead of a crisis, right? Yeah. Give yourself yeah, a little, I mean, little time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. Oh, see, now all I have are terrible jokes like coming into my head. And I really, I did not want this to be, you know, a funny podcast but i hate to tell you caleb and i joke around no matter what's going on when we get together so the topic of suicide is only going to be taken so seriously here we take the topic obviously very seriously but at the same time i mean you know you can make a joke out of out of anything so for anyone who has been personally affected by suicide i hate that you are listening to us because there are probably more well-educated serious people out there that could do a much better job of getting through two minutes of airtime without cracking jokes um so you're stuck with us so if our viewership goes down or our numbers are poor because of this episode i will not be surprised so with that 
Caleb, what's the first thing you think about when talking about Christians, the Bible, and suicide? Well, obviously, if you're a Christian, you should never struggle with suicide, right? I mean, we, we, oh, we have all the answers. Soul. We have it all put together, right? Have you heard that? Because I've heard that. I've heard people say that, like, oh, yeah, Christians never commit suicide. And Christians should never struggle with depression. And I'm thinking, man, that is some ignorant thinking right there. So, okay, so let me let me give you an idea here. Because just to, just to kind of put a nail in the coffin of that ridiculous idea. So salvation never guarantees that we will be free from physical illness. Correct. Right. Did you ever, okay. You've never read in the Bible that once you're saved, you ain't never going to get sick again. You're never going to break a bone. You're never going to be, you know, blind or deaf or crippled or lame or anything. You never read that. Right. So at the same time, I still read the King James. I should get the message. Maybe it's in there. <laughs> Could be. Well, there's a lot of stuff that's not in there, like chapters and verses. Okay, so at the same time, salvation also never guarantees that we will be free from mental illness. And I think a lot of people forget that. So people can struggle with mental illness just as they can struggle with physical illness before salvation and after salvation. Caleb's a perfect example of someone struggling with <laughs> mental illness after he's gotten saved. Okay, so <clears throat> Paul, the apostle Paul that we read about in the New Testament in Acts, he got saved. He was met, met by Jesus on the road to Damascus. He wrote a good portion of the New Testament, and Paul actually had a physical infirmity that was never healed. And he asked the Lord to remove it many times. And God said, no. And we read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7, 8, and 9. And it says, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So Paul tells us why he was given this physical hardship. He, it was so that he could remain humble and not be too puffed up with pride. In verse 8, it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So Paul asks God to remove it. He has this physical ailment. He asks God several times, please take this away. And what does God say, Caleb? What does God tell him? Big silent no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, God <laughs> tells him no in verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So there are several different churches out there and religious groups. <clears throat> really, I'm, I'm not even talking about honest to goodness churches. I'm talking about different cults that are way off on doctrine and don't even understand salvation like uh, who's the one group? The uh, uh, Christian uh, Christian scientists, okay? Not Scientology, Christian scientists, where where they will not even go to doctors, okay? They believe that it's all a matter of a lack of faith that needs to be overcome. And uh, it's just ridiculous doctrine because we see several people, Paul included. I mean, Caleb, I don't know about you, but I would kill to have the faith of Paul. And, and, and to have the life of Paul and make even a tenth of a difference like Paul did in the world for Jesus. 
And Paul was physically infirmed. We read about Timothy being physically infirmed. We find out about all these guys having this happen uh, where they were held up on missionary journeys where people could, uh, I forget who it was that wrote to Paul and said, hey, I'm sorry, I can't come to you. I'm, you know, I'm sick, but uh, hopefully I'll be seeing you later. So <clears throat> anyway, um, Paul even asked the Lord to get rid of it, and, and God says no. So you see that people suffer from physical infirmities after they're sick all through the Bible, and in the same way, God never promises that he is going to remove anxiety or depression or uh, any form of mental illness uh, after we get saved, just like before. So people are going to struggle with these things, and unfortunately, the end result for some people is that they take their own life. Caleb, your thoughts? Well, we're 15 minutes in, so I'll take it away for 15 minutes now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I was just reading through some comments. It looks like we have people on here that are more well qualified to talk on this. Somebody that lost her first husband, uh, LaRonda. Sorry to hear that. And then Darren said that, uh, is it Leeson? Lost a friend to suicide. Also, hi to Trish from Australia. It looks like you're uh, our furthest away listener. It's good to have you on here tonight. Um, I've... I was thinking about this earlier today about this topic, thinking uh, it's kind of a tough topic for two people like Patrick and I to talk on, partly because, like you mentioned, Patrick, we tend to uh, talk in layman's terms, have a good time, joke around. And it hit me like it's one thing to have a conversation about suicide, which I think is something that we should talk about. It's one thing to talk about that. And, as Christians, but then it's another thing to actually put an inter a, a video out on the internet where somebody could stumble across this, putting in a search for sure. suicide and they're possibly suicidal or, or dealing with depression. And so uh, I just figured I should put that out up front. Patrick and I, neither of us are really qualified to speak on this subject. I don't know that either of us have had personal, um, any real personal experience with this issue. Either of us are psychologists or pastors. We're not like I said, we're not really qualified to speak on this. I'm barely qualified to warm a pew at church. Um, so, well, and keep in mind, let, let me let me just say, the purpose of this podcast is not to offer people who are having suicidal thoughts to bring them comfort and help them get over that. This is not the suicide hotline. We started right. the podcast by giving you the phone number for the suicide <laughs> hotline. We are here to talk about what the Bible says and answer the questions that come up from Christians about suicide, you know, because right. the only thing that I am qualified to talk about is the Bible because I've read it a hundred thousand times, you know, so that's the only perspective you're getting here. We're not trying, this is not, you know, the podcast to send to a friend who is contemplating suicide uh, at all. Uh, I could only, oh, see, I'm about to throw in another joke there and okay. Well, yeah, anyway, so I was just going to say, obviously, uh, Patrick and I talk in pretty plain English, and I think that these are subjects that some people avoid because they think, well, I'm not qualified. And so you get online mm -hmm. and you can find stuff that's probably by psychologists or people that have had a story of personal suicide thoughts that they've had or whatever. So anyways, uh, I just thought I'd put that disclaimer out up front so that y'all aren't commenting later saying, I feel like this, you guys were insensitive toward my niece that's contemplating suicide or, or whatever the, the issue might be. Yeah. Um, our, our intent is not to be insensitive, but also to just have a, a plain English conversation on an, on an issue that some people would be afraid to talk about. And to be honest, I questioned, are we even qualified to talk about it? But I got to thinking about it and I was like, well, 
um, most people that experience suicide or suicidal thoughts weren't planning for it ahead of time. They probably mm-hmm. were people that avoided the subject, never really talked about it much, never thought they, they were people that thought it could never, would never be them. People like, well, Mike Reed just mentioned suicide isn't always from a mental illness. And that's true. Some people are really intelligent, smart people that you never saw it coming. And all of a sudden it hits, hits them out of nowhere. Uh, you see examples of that in the Bible where uh, there, you don't really find depression and anxiety as words listed in the Bible, but you, you see exceedingly sorrowful or, or people that were uh, downtrodden or sad. You, you see people that were probably dealing with depression in the Bible and it's translated into a different word than depression now. Mm-hmm. But there were um, people in the Bible that we look up to as greater than myself, um, Bible heroes, big men in the Bible that struggled with depression or suicidal thoughts. Um, and so for us to, for us to be so naive on the issue that we think, oh, it would, that would never affect me. I've never been suicidal. I think that we should, we should, um, uh, realize that the Bible does have things to say about this and it can happen to ordinary people. Um, I was thinking about Jesus when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he said that, uh, he was sorrowful. Uh, what did he say that he, his sorrow was like unto death that he was like, that's how mm-hmm. sorrowful he was at the time or different people, you know, Elijah, where he sat down and asked God to take his life. He just wanted to die. Um, and different, different people in the Bible like that, that were good men that were, had amazing victories and still dealt with sadness and grief in their life. Jesus dealt with sadness and grief. He cried when, uh, was it? Lazarus died and he got heard word of it and then he he wept. So I think that it's, it's okay for us to deal with and and we don't, there shouldn't be any stigma with dealing with depression or anxiety or sadness, whatever the issues are that come along with it. Um, But anyways, so that was um, some of my thoughts on it is it really can happen to anyone. It can be ordinary people, people that didn't think it was going to happen. Oftentimes you end up in a bad situation and just, for some reason, because it's, it's weird to me. I don't know if you've, if you've ever known somebody that was suicidal, but it's weird to me how it seems like oftentimes it's external things that drag people down. It's not like internal things. It's they're sad because they lost their loved one or with Job, um, he lost his house and his donkeys and his, you know, his wife and his sons and daughters. Well, maybe he didn't lose his wife. Maybe that would have been better. I'm not sure. Cause she's the one that told him curse God and die. But anyway, it's just interesting how it's, it's the things that, that are, it's oftentimes not even our own personal health or whatever. It's a temporary issue that we would, could grieve from it and get over. Maybe it's financial hardship or whatever it might be. And you see people get to the point that they're just overwhelmed and they're like, there's no point in living and they give up. So anyway, so that, that was a couple is, of thoughts that I had. That is what's called altruistic suicide. So, um, okay. I actually had to study it because um, I was a psychology major in college. Um, so, we, okay, so maybe you, you are know, qualified to talk on this. No, I was a college dropout, but I mean, we, I still had to read a book and pass a test. So we did cover the subject, you know. So um, l- let's get into really the big question that I think a lot of people are going to have as far as suicide goes. And that is if someone, uh, if a Christian uh, dies uh, by means of suicide, do they go to heaven or can they go to heaven? So I think that's the big question that a lot of people come up with, which is, can heaven be the destiny of someone who commits suicide? So 
salvation, what you have to, and, and really, the I think so many people, no matter how many times we go over it, no matter how many times you go to church, people still have a misunderstanding of suicide. So, or I'm sorry, of salvation. People still have a misunderstanding of salvation. Salvation is not a transaction where you receive some amount of grace and you can somehow squander it. <clears throat> grace covers every action in your life from the time you get saved backwards to the time that you were born. It's not that grace only covers certain things that you've done. And in the same way, grace covers every mistake, every sin you commit from the time you get saved until the time you die. You got to remember, and I always, I always explain this to people who have a misunderstanding of how grace works and how salvation works. When you get saved, you're not asking God to forgive you of the sins that you can remember that you did. Because the fact is, none of us can remember all the sins we've done. Some of us have sins of ignorance that we don't even know were a sin. So the, the intention when we get saved is that God forgives us of all the sins from you know, the time of birth up until the time that we get saved, not just the ones that we can remember. And at the same time, what we want is God to forgive us of every sin in our life. And it's good that God is omniscient and omnipresent. God is outside of time. Uh, Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah says that he inhabiteth eternity. So God knows every sin that I'm going to commit from the day that I receive him as my savior up until the time that I die. So God's grace covers all of those sins. So <clears throat> people usually have a misunderstanding and they're like, well, you know what, but if someone, you know, and, and I'm going to go a step further here, people have this misunderstanding that, well, if you die by suicide, then the last act you did was, you know, you killed yourself and then you're dying with this unconfessed sin. And people misunderstand the difference between uh, mortal and eternal sin, okay? So the way it works is mortally, here on this earth, there are consequences for every sin in our life. But eternally speaking, okay, there's only one consequence for sin. We pay for it eternally by ourselves in hell. That's the only option for any sin eternally. Here on earth, sins are divided up into, well, there's sins that are not as bad and sins that are much worse, which is why the Bible explains that there's a different penalty for first-degree murder versus manslaughter versus stealing your neighbors, whatever. Okay, so that's here on earth. So when we get saved, we are dealing with all of our sins, and if we need to pay for them in the next life. That's what salvation is. So <clears throat> if taking your own life is not going to be covered by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus, well, then David has a big problem. So does Moses. <clears throat> so do a lot of these guys, because from cover to cover, we find a lot of the guys that God used in the Bible were murderers. But we also know that they were saved and they ended up in heaven. So there's nothing different between the murder that David committed, the murder that Moses committed, uh, Abraham killed people. There are, there are lots of uh, uh, great men in the Bible that God used in wonderful ways. For that matter, Paul called himself a murderer multiple times in the New Testament. And he, no doubt, 
was saved. We know that. We know about his conversion. Paul is responsible for leading thousands of people to Christ and giving the gospel all throughout the known world. So just remember, <clears throat> uh, suicide, which is very simply taking a life, it is a form of murder, if you will. We, none of us are allowed to take a life. Uh, that is forgiven just like the uh, first degree murder that uh, anyone else uh, committed, just like David, the one he planned out and executed of Uriah that we read about. Caleb, your thoughts? I, I went over a lot right there. So you made a couple of points in there that I think can't be understated um, mm -hmm. as far as the basic understanding of salvation. So Patrick mentioned that when you get saved, you don't understand um, or you don't necessarily remember every transaction that you've ever done that would have been sin toward God. Anytime that we fall short of God's plan for our life, anytime that we're walking in disobedience to God and that we commit any of the many listed sins in the Bible, um, we, that is, it's, it's sin. Sin is sin. It's not like, um, it's not like that we need to go through. And I mean, multiple times a day we fall into sin and we have for years. So there would, there would be no, no possible way for us to journal out all of our sins and, and apologize, confess each sin individually, um, and repent. And this is one of the big things, uh, between the Protestant churches and the Catholic churches that sets us apart is Catholics for years. Um, that's why they would go to confession with the priest is to deal with each individual sin issue and to try to make things right with God. Um, if we are depending on, and this, and this is, uh, sometimes it seems like theology doesn't matter that much. Like as Christians, why do we talk theology? It really does. When you, when you, when the rubber meets the road on something like this, like suicide, this is, this is where, where the kind of the logical conclusion of your train of thought theologically, uh, your view on life would meet the road here where you get to the end of, end of the, end of the road, so to speak with your life. And you're trying to think, you know, it, how is God going to handle this if I do this choice or if, if my friend did this? Um, what Patrick is mentioning here is the fact that when you ask God to forgive you for your sin, it is your sin, your sins, all of your sin, not just the ones you can remember. And that is important to remember that if, if you were depending on your memory to re recollect every sin, you would be, you would be earning grace through your works of good good recollection and doing yep. a good job of repenting for each individual sin it's a good when point. you come to the it point would be, of, it would be based on your ability to have a good memory That's right so patrick patrick be. could be saved better than me if he had a better memory than me <laughs> if i'm more forgetful then i might not be saved because i might have forget forgotten to repent of one of my sins and so that is a very very critical thing it took me uh, years before that finally clicked with me and and it really really helped me so that's a very I, I don't think that that can be understated no matter how your theology is on um on anything salvation wise that is a very very important thing to understand god god's grace is sufficient for all of your sin not just the ones that you remember now patrick is a dear friend patrick and i obviously get on here and we discuss this and we have um we've bashed it out on another episode and i don't want to hijack this one with our difference of views um i look at salvation as a as a current thing where i since i put my faith in jesus that my current faith in him takes care of my sin issue um, all who call upon the name of jesus shall be saved 
Um, and I, I think that's a safer way to play it than saying all that called upon the name of the Lord at one point in their life are saved. But regardless of that, I, I do believe that as, as a Christian, if I have a bad attitude towards somebody, or I have an evil thought that enters, enters my mind and I'm trusting Jesus as my savior, that I can have confidence that I'm going to heaven, you know, as things come along, of course, I, I wouldn't want to be belligerent in any relationship. And this goes for my relationship with God as well. If I'm, if I chew Patrick out one day, I'm not going to just ignore him the next and act like nothing happened. I'll probably be like, Hey, Patrick, sorry, I should have, you know, not said that yesterday or whatever. But when I do go to God in and confess a sin to him, it's not like, I feel like that if I die right now and I forget that I did a sin earlier, I'm going to hell because of that sin. That has nothing to do with it. Jesus is grace because my faith is in him. His, his grace, his sacrifice is sufficient for, for my sin, my sins, not just the ones that I've individually confessed. And so if you, if you get to the point of realizing that and realizing that theologically, it really doesn't work to, it doesn't work to, um, to depend on your memory as your source of salvation. That's really what it comes down to. If you get to that point where you're depending on your memory to confess each individual sin, that's hogwash. That's nonsense. You, we would all be in hell because we'd forget something. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, his blood is enough to take care of our sins. And of course, I, uh, Patrick and I disagree on this issue and we've, we've been over it, but I, I um, would never want to have carry the liability of telling somebody that because you prayed a sinner's prayer in 73 or 89 or whatever the date might've been that today, anything that you ever do in your future, that you're scot-free going to heaven, including suicide. And I, because you prayed a sinner's prayer, I can guarantee you that you're going to heaven, whether you are a Christian or not. I wouldn't take that leap that Patrick would take. I'm assuming that's where this is going. So obviously nope. Patrick nope. and I disagree. You're bringing it there. I wasn't okay. talking about this point at all. Okay. Well, anyway, obviously Patrick and I would, would disagree on that, but I still respect him as a Christian and, and enjoy getting on here and doing, doing these. I, I would I would be uneasy with telling somebody guaranteeing somebody salvation that commits suicide, but I also would would never be the one to tell somebody, oh, your your friend that committed suicide, they're in hell because they committed suicide. I would leave that to God to judge. Anyway, so what's it. your thoughts on some not of that? Taking it a stand on either side of the road. <laughs> well, I'm not there. I'm not their judge, so I'm not going to get on here and tell somebody you're you're guaranteed heaven if you commit suicide. It, what if I was wrong? This is their judge. We go by right. what this says. Amen. So it, it, did I misstate something there or do you understand my perspective on that? No, I understand it. I just don't know why you bring it up every time I talk about getting saved. As a well, I, I, okay. Well, I try not to drill, dr drive it into the dirt. It's just that it comes up on every one of our episodes. I usually don't correct it, but um, obviously, um, that would be, I, I would feel like I was carrying a huge amount of liability if somebody came to me and said, hey, if I kill myself, am I going to heaven? And I say, well, as long as you're saved, you're going to heaven. I, I feel like that would be a, a dangerous point of liability for me as a Christian to, to okay. possibly mislead somebody based off of my theory about salvation. I have no problem telling anyone, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. And that's the end of the statement. So if, so if, I, if I asked you, if I commit suicide and I'm saved, you, your mm -hmm. answer would be yes, that I'm going to heaven. Okay. How could you not go to heaven if you were saved? Here's, here's the, here's the point. Okay. And I'm going to bring up, I'm going to bring up a quote here. Okay. 
what we cannot obtain through moral perfection, we cannot lose through moral imperfection. If there is a sin that can keep me from heaven, then nobody is going there. When I'm saved, I will go to heaven, even if I commit suicide. Is suicide a sin? Absolutely. Okay, it goes against what the Bible teaches. There's only a couple reasons that we are allowed to ever take a life, and we are not allowed to take our own. There's no such thing as a mercy killing in the Bible that is acceptable. If someone's saved and they kill themselves, they will go to heaven. If someone's saved and they kill someone else, they will go to heaven. If someone is saved and they tell a lie, they will go to heaven. And the Bible explains that a lie and a murderer are the same thing in revelation chapter 21 there is no sin that the grace of god and the blood of jesus does not cover there is no time at which the blood of jesus dries up and is no longer applied to my soul once it is there it is there what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of jesus I have no way of removing the blood of Jesus from my soul because I did not put it there. I received a gift. That's it. So, yes, if someone is saved and they commit suicide, 100%, they close their eyes in death, they open them in heaven. If that person is not in heaven, then I will not be there either because we are both relying on the exact same thing to get us there. Well, I assumed that would have been your, your position. We never talked on it. Actually, it did come up in one of our episodes when we talked about uh, salvation or what does it mean to be saved. And I think I mentioned this concept. I had heard a preacher that mentioned suicide and said, you know, he was um, talking about his view on eternal security and the fact that if, if you are saved and you commit suicide, that you're guaranteed heaven. And I said, well, I brought that up and he said, well, we're not on suicide. We should have a separate discussion on that. So it doesn't surprise me that it came up, but um, that that's of course my concern. So that's my difference from Patrick with that in my life, my liability disclaimer there. I think it's, it carries a liability if, if I were wrong and, and salvation and when it talks about faith in Jesus as a current thing, rather than as something in the past, then I, then I feel like that I would be irresponsible to not mention the, the possibility i hope that patrick is right all right i'll just tell you guys that i've always told patrick this i hope that um i hope that he's 100 percent right on this because i have a lot of a lot of christian friends that were christians born again christians that no longer profess to be christians and it would be really nice to know that they're going to be in heaven because they were once saved um i don't take that leap and patrick and i obviously disagree on that but um anyways back to the topic hopefully hopefully we're able to continue to move on from that Okay, so what's your question about suicide? What's my question about suicide? Sure. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, have you ever um, have you ever gotten close to suicide personally? Okay, good question. So, uh, yes, um, both prior to salvation and after salvation, I have had suicidal thoughts. And I, prior to salvation, keep in mind, I... You know, I didn't know who God was. I didn't. I was an atheist at the time. I didn't believe that there was a God. After salvation, um, I can think of one time where, for it was a period. It was you know several months where I I wasn't 
actively planning out how I was going to die, but I was at a point where I was praying that God would just take me home because I didn't want to live. So, but after that, God was the one that pulled me out of it as well. And during that time, I was in a very low point where I was, I felt far away from God. I, I, I didn't feel like God was in my life. I, I was at a point where I, I, I was just fed up. I didn't care. And keep in mind, I, I was not doing any of the things that I normally do today to try to be close to God, walk the straight and narrow, was not reading my Bible, was not praying, just was fed up with everything to do with God. And that brought me to a very low place. I was very, very depressed. And I was at a point where I just wanted to die. I didn't want to get up out of bed, face the world, deal with anything. I felt like I would never be able to turn the corner and be back on top where I could, could be close to God. I never felt like I could ever be the husband that I wanted to be for my wife and the father I wanted to be for my children and be the spiritual leader in my home. It just, it felt so far away and uh, it felt unobtainable. It felt impossible to get back to. And the crazy thing is that to turn the corner and to feel close to God again took so little effort and so little time. It was unbelievable. It was, it was really, I stand at the door and knock. That, that was it. I mean, Jesus was never further away than right there at the door. And all I had to do was just let him in and just, you know, to use the term, kind of get back on the horse. And that was it. I, I was able to uh, get on my knees and pray and feel the closeness of God, you know, very quickly. And I was able to get back on the mountaintop within a period of, you know, 24 to 48 hours. I felt alive again, that God was there. And I believe that it was, you know, demonic oppression where the devil wanted me down. He wanted me worthless. He didn't want me doing anything for him or my wife or my kids or for the glory of God, you know, for him, not meaning the devil, him, capital H, him, for God. And, um, you know, anyway, um, you know, so I was able to turn the corner and get back on the horse and get back on the mountaintop. But anytime I hear a Christian say, oh, you know, Christians can't be depressed and, you know, Christians can't have anxiety. And if you're a Christian, you know, you can't have these things. And, and it's almost as if they try to say that that is a, a way of judging someone's salvation. If they ever feel depressed, they can't be a Christian. That's nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. There are guys all over the Bible that were so low, they were wishing they were dead. <clears throat> King David was one of them. He felt so far away from God, he wondered if he could ever have God love him again. Just read through the Psalms and, and you find that out, you know, during his lowest points. So, yeah, so for me, I have a verse, anyway. I have a verse just on that yeah. point real quick and then get back to what you're saying there. So Second uh, Corinthians 1 through 8, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 1 verse 8 says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. And here's some apostles that were out preaching the word of God. 
And their trouble was so great that they wrote in a letter that they despaired uh, even of life. Mm-hmm. And it's it. I don't think Christians are ever exempt from this. It's definitely we see great men of God dealing with depression, anxiety, possibly suicidal thoughts. Now, you know, we've you remember the verses in the book of Acts when, you know, when Paul was locked up, when Peter was locked up, when these guys were in terrible places and terrible prisons and they were singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You remember that? Mm -hmm. That's great. And that's a great message. And that's true. You can go through terrible times and be that close to God. But I feel like that message is kind of beaten over the head without ever mentioning the other side of the spectrum, which is you can be down in the valley where it is so dark and so cold and so lonely that you feel like you're never going to get out. And there are men of God in the Bible that go through those times as well. And no man, no woman, no Christian is exempt from that. And I brought this up a while ago. It was, it was one of my favorite uh, spiritual songs. Uh, and I think it's called, um, oh, it's, uh, see, now I just lost it. It's about, uh, it's about the valleys. And it's, uh, as I walk through the valleys, uh, it's where I learned to pray the darker, the better. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to look it up anyway. It, it talks about the, how the, um, darker the valley, the brighter the day or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's all about the importance of the valleys because that has also helped me get closer to God. And one thing that's hard to remember is that we will go through hard times and we have to remember that it is for our learning and our benefit. And God is, we might not feel God or see God there, but believe me, he is there. He is right next to us. We, we, we never lose that. Um, well, that's interesting that you mentioned as far as the valleys and the, and the low times um, we see, there's a few different examples of, of suicide in the Bible where there's men that, that um, committed suicide. And oftentimes the, the Bible doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really ever go in, elaborate beyond there, but what we can look at is the circumstances that they were facing in, mm-hmm. in their life. Um, was it, uh, who was the guy that got the millstone dropped on his head by a woman? Was it Amalek? And he told he told one of the soldiers to to kill him to run him through with their spear or sword or whatever so that um, r- the rumors wouldn't go, make it back home to his home country that he was killed by a woman. <laughs> so his pride um, made him. I mean, he had already the, the millstone had already dropped on him and crushed him, and he was dying. But his pride didn't want you know he didn't want. It's kind of interesting that our pride would follow us to that point that even in death we're worried about what people are going to think about us, and he was. Apparently, uh, it was just too humiliating to have been killed by a woman. So he had to have somebody run him through with a spear. Um, and then obviously Saul and his, um, oh, what was the guy, that his body armor guy, the guy that car- carried his armor for him, Saul, when he was, um, when the, the one David killed. No. The guy that David, when, yeah, because he killed, he, he ultimately killed Saul, didn't he? And then he came back and reported it to David, and David had him killed. Hey, I'm not okay, sure. You know what? I thought I, that's what it was. That's a good maybe point. Not. Maybe I'm getting my stories mixed up. So wasn't it Saul that um, asked asked his armor bearer to to kill him? 
to kill him. Okay, you know what? You're right. There was something else involved with that. I need to go back and read the story. I forgot about this. That's you got to say that to yourself like over Samuel. and over again. Patrick, you're so, right. Patrick, you're right. <laughs> Patrick, you're right. So Saul um, asked his armor bearer to kill him. His armor bearer apparently was more of an upstanding person than to do that. And so Saul fell on his spear or on his sword and killed himself. And then um, a couple of his other sons were killed in the battle as well. And his armor bearer looked around, if I recall correctly here, I should look up the story here in a minute and see if I'm right. His armor bearer looked around, saw that they were dead and that the king was fallen on his sword and he himself fell on his sword. So they both committed suicide. Then I, no, no, we need to look, we need to look it up. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Go ahead. Second Samuel, I mean, I think. since you're making it up, just finish <laughs> the story however you want to make your point, and then, then we'll go from there. So, yeah, the, the, I'm pretty sure if I'm right, there was the guy that the, the lady dropped the millstone on his head, and then he asked somebody to, to run him through. Saul fell on his sword. Then I think his armor bearer was asked to do it. He wouldn't do it, but then his armor bearer fell on his own sword, so they both committed suicide. But I'm almost thinking that Saul didn't die immediately, and somebody else came and ran him through with the sword and then he went back to david and bragged if i remember right but i could be wrong and then david had him killed it was a bloody mess um anyways you see these guys where they were they were dealing with failure around them they were gonna die anyways and that's the funny thing about it to me is or not funny but my daughters and i after they got off school today we went over to a cemetery and we were walking around in the cemetery and looking at how long some of these people had lived and they found this one grave where the guy, I think he's 44 years old. He died two years ago. And you can see that his children obviously come there and they put like toy tractors and cars and stuff on their dad's grave and leave notes there and have some signs they had written and stuff. And the girls were really sad for these kids that lost their dad and they were picking flowers and laying them on this guy's grave. Anyways, it was, I was explaining to my daughters how the only guarantee that we have in this world is that we will die, that death is a very, very certain thing. We are all going to die. And, but it's really interesting looking at somebody that the closer to death that they get, that they would be overwhelmed by death to the point that they just can't wait to get there, I guess, and push themselves over the edge, so to speak. It's like Saul was going to die anyways. The Philistines were surrounding them, but he you know, chose to commit suicide. Did you find the, did you find the passage here that I was botching? Oh, sorry. No. no that's fine. All right. Yeah. Um, so I was I was thinking when we get into these valleys, what what is it that gets us to this point? And I've never been, I don't think I never had um, suicidal thoughts or chronic depression too bad. But there was a, a, a period of time where we had some financial fail, failure, and I had a job that went bad. Somebody owed me a bunch of money, and I was stressed really bad. And one night, I remember coming home and telling my wife, I was on a metal roof and I slipped and I fell down and I was sliding toward the edge of the roof. And I was like, I ought to just fall off the edge and die. Of course, I would have probably just banged my head up or something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Added a little bit more misery to my misery. But I mentioned it to my wife because I was like, this is a little bit alarming. And that was the beginning of it for me. And then for probably a couple of months, I dealt with some depression. And the more that I, I started realizing how much depression I was dealing with. And unlike Patrick, I wasn't, it wasn't the kind of thing that I was able to just pray and say, God, please help me and turn back to him. And all of a sudden, everything went away. I prayed many, many times. And sometimes the situations that we get ourselves into, we have to deal with the consequences for our actions. And it can seem overwhelming. Um, now, looking back, some of the things that I was worried about at the time, I can't even remember what they were because God took care of me and he brought me through those things. And those issues 
Um, if I remember right, one of the things that almost pushed me over the edge with some of it at one point, I was like, man, maybe I should have fallen off the roof. And it was like another suicidal thought. And I think I got a speeding ticket and I already had another ticket that I, like for not wearing a seatbelt or something. So I had two tickets that I needed to pay. Plus I had a bunch of bills piling up and it was just all, all around kind of a, a, just a bad time. And um, I was just feeling like a failure. And I started realizing I've put myself in these, this situation by you know decisions that I've made and I have to deal with the consequences for these, but eventually I will get through it. You know, there's a saying, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes um, for me, I found that if we would go into life with lower expectations, realizing I am nothing, Jesus is everything. I have nothing to offer. Um, I, somebody found it for us for Samuel 31, five. Thank you, Frederick. So we'll find out, we'll find out how badly I botched it. I'm pretty sure Saul and his armor bearer both committed suicide, but I might be wrong on that. Um, it's been a while since I've been there. So I've I'm read not making first, any bets. I've read first and second Samuel like four times because I love mm-hmm. those books and probably more than that. They're, they used to be my two favorite books of the Bible. Anyways, um, I've started wondering. All right. So a friend of mine from Hungary was telling me this story. He had a friend that moved here from Hungary. He was, I believe, like the superintendent in the United Pentecostal church in Hungary. So he was the top of the top of whatever the big, the big shot in Hungary and some church politics got in the way. I think maybe his brother-in-law or um, so somebody says, yes, you're right. I don't know if Patrick's right or I'm right. Did two, did Saul and his armor bearer both commit suicide? I guess is the big question. Please tell me that I'm right. Do, do we, my name is Caleb. We, Say Caleb how much time is right. do we want to waste on this podcast trying to figure out a meaningless part of a story that doesn't contribute to the conversation? It's, it's not meaningless. Two men lost their lives. Thank God you weren't giving the eulogy at Saul's funeral. Jeez. Anyways, so this guy moves here from Hungary, and I think that he, he moved to the U.S., and he wanted to come here and evangelize to the uh navajo indians i think is what it was so he moved here out on a reservation the guys in hungary had kicked him out of the church because there was somebody else that wanted his position or something and he was here to prove them wrong and it never worked out he went on the reservation he was a big shot back home but he was never a big shot here and so he became angry at god he dealt with depression and my friend um was there with him when he died he had come through some of his bitterness toward god by the time that he died the moral of the story is eventually if God um, wills and we all are lucky enough to live to a ripe old age, we're all going to end up in a diaper in a nursing home somewhere <laughs> being that's the good nobody. news. And you won't find that on your church bulletin board when you pull up next Sunday. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an yeah. inspirational quote. If you came here for encouragement because you're dealing with depression, you might shut this off at this point before I say anything more. We're 10 minutes from the end. <laughs> So these are, these are interesting things to me is that if you go into life with big expectations and you, and you are hoping to be somebody, and then you find out that you end up being a nobody that can be very disappointing. So sometimes going into life, realizing that Jesus is everything and I'm nothing, I think sets us up for less disappointment where we're not dealing with these supposed failures because, and maybe it's not even really a huge moral failure or whatever the failure is. I've dealt with failures that I had set myself up for. And looking back now, it's laughable that I took it so seriously because 
I come through and I'm all, I'm all right. I don't even remember what the big problem was. And so anyway, that's, um, that's one thing that I, that I see as a contributing part for Christians that fall into this trap. And what I see, you don't see God really making a statement on most of these people. Um, I, the other thing, guy I'm thinking of was the committed suicide it was kind of a murder suicide was Samson. And I don't know that it was his intention was just to kill himself. He was trying to kill everybody that was, um, you know, making a mockery of him and he was entertaining them as the slave. And so it seemed that God gave him the strength to knock the stadium down with all of the people that were in it. He prayed and asked God to give him the strength and he pulled the stadium down on top of him. And it, it never really seemed to seem that God had any real harsh words about that anywhere that you look back in the Bible later on about people that committed suicide. Like Patrick said, it's, it's a sin like others. But just because it's a final thing, it's a final solution to a temporary problem, doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bigger sin than other sins or whatever. It's just it's the end for somebody. So here we go. Then Saul said to the one who carried his battle clothes, oh, I have no idea if I'm right or wrong. Take your sword and cut through me with it. <laughs> Patrick, I'm sorry. I'm boring no, you. No, it's good. We have seven and a half minutes left. This is how I was hoping we'd end it. Or. <laughs> Take your sword and cut me through with it, or these men who have not gone through our religious act will come and Talk kill me with a sword and make fun of me. But the one who carried his battle clothes would not do it, for he was filled with fear. So Saul took his sword and fell on it. When one when the one who carried his battle clothes saw that Saul was dead, he fell on his sword also and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, and the one who carried his battle clothes, and all his men died that day together. So Saul and his armor bearer committed suicide. Both committed suicide. There you have it. The moral of the story. That's, so it, that you have, must have something pressing you want to get in here in the last five minutes. So I'll, I'll let you no, have, this, I'll let you this have whole the clock. hour kind of veered off into, into a conversation that I wasn't really thinking of. I thought it was going to go a different direction. Well, we, uh, we have time. To we can just go, go, we can go 30 minutes, 30 minutes long and, you know, talk about whatever we want. <clears throat> No, so the uh, I, I what I was going to bring up was um, the unpardonable sin that the Bible talks about, and the only thing that oh blasphemy uh, you got it blasphemy of the Holy Ghost because people I think have this incorrect idea that there is you know there are sins that God will not forgive, and and the Bible actually specifies there's only one thing that God not forgive and that is blasphemy of the holy ghost it's found in matthew chapter 12 verses 31 and 32 but do i really want to get into that and into the weeds in the last six minutes or is that something that we should talk about you know well i think time? i think that's good to bring up that the, the suicide is not the one is not a pardonable sin you it got it. it yeah there you go no, that's a good point. No, was there other points that you wanted to bring up? I did not mean to hijack it, talking, trying to talk people off the edge of the cliff or from getting there with suicide. I figure it's good to good to realize kind of what the Bible talks more about the situations it puts people into those situations of suicide. It talks about their circumstances, not really about um, anything eternal with them so much, but it definitely seems to indicate that they were it tells you their story. So that's all we have to go yeah. by biblically. You know, the only other thing that I was, I was thinking about bringing up was when we're talking about suicide, we're, we're taking a life. And from, from my understanding, my recollection is that there are three reasons to take a life that the Bible says are permissible. So one is capital crimes. Okay. Capital crimes are to be carried. Uh, the punishment, capital punishment is to be carried out 
by men. And the Bible is very specific about that. So capital crime is not to be carried out <clears throat> by God. God is not going to rain fire down from heaven uh, for every uh, for every criminal who committed a capital crime. So that is the job of men. Uh, number two, the Bible talks about we are allowed to kill for war. So when you are at war, you are allowed to kill. That's what a war is. You kill people and break things until one side gives up. And we see that God actually commands the nation of Israel several times to go to war and kill the bad guys. Then the third thing, or the third exception for taking a life is self-defense. And you find out that you are allowed to defend your life and the lives of loved ones and you can do that with lethal force. So those are the three examples we find in the Bible where you are allowed to take a life. Beyond that, you have to understand that life is the most precious thing to God. Now, Caleb, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. The, the, the way the Jews looked at it was that if you killed a man, you killed a nation. Because you are not only killing that man, you are also killing all of the children and grandchildren that could come from that man. So they've always taken it very, very seriously. And God is the protector of life. As a matter of fact, you find in several examples it, throughout the Bible that you are allowed to... Uh, break any commandment there is in order to save a life. You never find God giving people a hard time. As a matter of fact, Jesus even explains it for the life of an animal, let alone the life of a human. When he says, you're upset about me because I healed someone on the Sabbath, what are you going to do when your ox falls in a ditch? You're just going to leave him there, you know, and for, for a day or two and, you know, your animal's going to die? No, go there and get the animal out. So <clears throat> life is always precious and life is always to be protected and life is never to be taken. Now, I've had thoughts throughout my Christianity that surely there was an exception in the case of debilitating fatal diseases. Because once you find someone who is gone through a, a fatal disease that is very, very painful, it is very difficult to believe that they cannot take their own life in order to get out of that pain. When the doctors say there's nothing we can do and you're going to die and they're going through horrible pain. But what you actually find in a couple different places in the Bible is that the Bible permits you to medicate those people with whatever means are available in order to relieve them of their pain while they wait to die. And we find this in the Proverbs where it talks about giving them strong drink, give them alcohol to help dull that pain. So anyway, it's it's an idea that I struggled with as far as, well, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't that be an exception? Couldn't that be permissible? I don't see that it is. And, and I've had loved ones who have gone through a very uh, painful end and most people who have, you, you honestly find yourself wishing and praying that God would just take them so it could be over. But we are not permitted to take that life. 
God gives a way out of that pain uh, to try to make it through until the time when God is appointed for that man to die. So that was those were the only other couple things I wanted yeah. to bring so up. Assist, so assisted it. suicide would be murder, in my opinion, as well. Correct. Now, with that being said, the question comes down to: Would you do it, even though it was? So here's the problem. That should never. I think it should never be an option. Okay. Now, I mean, let I me, would. I. I wouldn't. Let me give you an sure example. Oh, no, I'm going to give you an example because th this is something that can come up. So what most folks do, most married couples, they purchase a life insurance policy to take care of their loved ones should they die. So if Patrick Hayes dies, his life insurance will provide for his wife and kids so that they are able to uh, continue living and not be, you know, destitute and on the street because the breadwinner for the family is gone, right? It's a popular way to um, mitigate liability. So then you have the issue of, well, what happens if you are in a state where let's say you have a machine breathing for you, or you have a machine pumping your uh, heart to circulate the blood to keep you alive. Because the problem is <clears throat> those machines can keep you alive for a real long time. And the price you have to pay for those machines while you're in the hospital is outrageous. You're talking about a bill of $10,000 a day. And you say, surely Patrick, that can't be the cost. It is easily the cost. But then what's provided is what's called medical power of attorney. And what you can do is you can fill out a piece of paper and get it notarized. And it is known by uh, the doctors that <clears throat> this person over here has the ability to say Patrick's wishes are that if a machine is required to keep him alive, he doesn't want to be alive. He understands that he's supposed to be dead and he just wants to go home to be with the Lord. So we're going to unplug those machines or we're not going to use those machines in order to keep him alive. You can also have what's called a DNR, a do not resuscitate. Okay. So the doctors will literally not try to save your life. Okay. If you flatline. So these are all options, right? So we have our bases covered. So no need for you to ever hold a pillow over my face and snuff the life out of me, right? Okay, there's one other case. If you are in a state where you are alive, no machines are required to keep you alive, but you have also suffered a level of brain damage, you're in a coma, you're not coming out, okay? You're never gonna be who you were, but you will not die. So now your family cannot get the life insurance. Nobody has a medical power of attorney to say unplug the machine because there's no machine keeping you alive. All they're doing is feeding you and watering you, which by law they have to do. Now we can get into the exceptions that we've run into with legal cases like Terry Schiavo down in Florida and all those things. Okay, but by and large, 
they cannot starve you to death. So now you're in a state where you are, are costing your family an obscene amount of money every day. You're never going to be alive again because of the trauma that you've sustained. But you also don't have anything we can unplug due to your wishes that you recorded. So now you're in a state where you're going to live for who knows how long. And your family is not getting the life insurance money until you die. And while they're waiting for that to happen, they're driven into the poorhouse with doctor's bills. And all of a sudden, you're in a tough spot. And the only thing, the only option you have as far as an active course or a, a course of action that someone can take is assisted suicide. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. That's why they used to go off into the woods. Um, and when you have the ability one. to do it yourself, it's not a problem. Right. If, if you're in hospital or whatever. You got it. Well, that is, you, that I'm is not tricky. saying that happens often, but right. it does happen. So then the question is, do you set up your plans ahead of time? And do you have friends that will carry that out? And how does the Christian deal with that? So glad I brought that up five minutes well, after we passed the hour mark. So <laughs> you can all think about that before going. Yeah, no, back. that's a very that's a very complex thing that I don't know if we have three or four thousand listeners. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully none of you guys ever end up in that position. And God help you if you do. Um, I would. I am certainly not in in support of assisted suicide, doctor assisted mm -hmm. suicide. Um, I think that it's just part of where this murderous country is going. We go for abortion and now we're going to go for assisted suicide. I, I think that it is difference between, there is a difference between that and not artificially keeping somebody alive. Now there is sure. of course the question of somebody that can't feed themselves. Um, do you sustain them? Of course, that would be a very complex situation. I have a friend in Minnesota, my neighbor up there, he's messaged me off and on because ever since this COVID thing has happened, he's never been able um, to go and see his wife who's in the hospital mm. or I'm sorry, in a nursing home. They won't allow him in there. He hasn't seen her for months. Um, he watches our podcast, if I'm not mistaken. So hi, Charles, if you're on here. Um, he has mes messaged me a few different times for me. He sits in his living room and cries, wishes that he's prayed over and over again on the phone with his wife. They've talked and, and asked God to just take her home. He's asked God to take her, his wife home. He's wished that God would take him home. He's told me that it, there's been times that if he would have had a gun, he would have committed suicide already. He sits there and cries for hours, missing his wife, staring at the TV. I've told him a couple of times, why don't you come to Texas? The other day he mentioned that he might, uh, well, his wife, they uh, pulled her all of her meds on Wednesday and um, she's on hospice now. And he probably won't get to see her uh, because he's still probably last I knew he couldn't go because of COVID. But he told me if she passes, he may bring his fifth wheel to Texas and park it next to my house. Um, unfortunately, that is one of the sad things about our society where people are so disengaged. We have virtual relationships on Facebook, online, speaking of Facebook, <laughs> virtual relationships. Here we are. Um, there, he says nobody ever stops by to see him. His kids never come to see him. His um um, or they don't come that often. His neighbors don't stop in to, to see them. And um, so anyways, it's, it's sad when you think about how we can, how, how, how this life ends for some of us, it is, it is pretty sad. And 
I, I can understand people. I can totally understand people. And I don't, I don't think that you should feel guilt if you get to the point of wishing that God would take you home or people that are in a situation where medically they have to pull somebody off of life support or those type of things. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's assisted suicide by any means. If you have that in your will and you're saying, do not resuscitate or take me off of life support. If I have to have a machine, um, I don't, I, I think that that is God. If you wanted to sustain your life, he could, Jesus went without food and water for 40 days, which is medically impossible to do. And God sustained him. Um, the same with, um, Moses. And so even people that go without food and water, if it was God's will for them to, to live, I believe they could, but that's different than taking a gun to the side of your head or, you know, taking actually intentionally killing yourself. Um, if somebody can't eat or feed themselves because of their health, I'm not sure how that goes. That's a, a tougher situation, but, um, I did think of one other thing just now. I'll go back to my suicide avoidance thing, which apparently was not supposed to be on our topic tonight. But um, if you are somebody that when life is good, you can always find something to complain about. Just wait till you're in a valley. Because if when life is going relatively well, and there's people like this, we all know them. they're around us, um, where it doesn't matter how good something is going, they're always going to find something to complain about. There, I've had customers like this where I worked on their house and I would joke about this to my employees because I would tell them, look, tomorrow, they've for a long time, all they talk about is their marble countertops. And as soon as we get their marble countertops on, believe me, it is going to become the end of the world that they don't have drawer, drawer handles on their front of their drawers or something. You know, the next thing on their list, this is going to become the big ne next crisis because you, you get to know somebody and they always have a crisis. It doesn't matter how good their life is. They're always going to be complaining about something. And if you're that kind of a person, maybe take a look in the mirror and say, is this who I want to be? Because my life is pretty good. I have friends around me right now. I'm in a good church. I have children that are laughing and, and coming and giving me kisses and hugs and telling me that they love me and they're brightening my day. And yet I'm still down in the dumps. And I'm depressed and I'm finding things to complain about. How are you going to be able to cope with life when you get to the end of the end of the end of your life and your loved one is dead and you're left alone or those types of things. Sometimes we have to find we have to find the good in life. Um, there's a verse in Psalm that I thought I would, um, well, I think oftentimes this is just one, one, one verse that you could take that would be an encouragement. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be my, in my mouth. Uh, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Um, so I think sometimes if we learn to bless the Lord, magnify him and brag on God's doing rather than ourselves during the good times and not have that be what sustains our life. Um, I, I think about it for myself right now. I'm pretty active in ministry and there's, I have a lot of friends and a lot of people that I serve alongside with, and it's a pleasure. Um, I ha there's a lot of people that compliment us for different things that we do. Um, and, and you could, you could get to where that is what you thrive on and realizing that, Jesus is the only thing that I have to offer anybody. And I'm still nothing. doesn't matter how great my life is going. I need to remember that because like I said, someday I'm going to be in a diaper in a nursing home. <laughs> most likely. I mean, if that's the way that we, things go in America, most likely my kids aren't going to put me up in a, you know, five-star hotel until I die. <laughs> most likely you are going to end up dying lonely. And if, if we can't learn to be thankful in the good times when our, when life is going well, how will we be able to cope with life when it's going bad? So that's, 
that's been how I've learned to overcome uh, anxiety, depression, some of those things is to start realizing life isn't that bad. I could have it a lot worse. There's been people that didn't have religious freedom, didn't have the blessings that I have. And yet I'm still finding something to complain about because, you know, whatever the issue is, um, I don't have as much money as I want, or I don't have the boat that I want or whatever it is. We have to learn to knock it off as Christians. We need to humble ourselves, realize that we are nothing. Jesus is everything. And I think that can help us with with suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety. Um, I don't know how to help friends. I have friends that have talked about suicide and oftentimes I I feel like I'm at a loss for words. All I can do is pray for them. Um, But one thing I did want to say on that is don't ever get into the trap of thinking that because you know somebody that committed suicide, and you, you weren't able to stop them from committing suicide. Don't take it too seriously. Uh, we can't always help everybody. Some people are going to commit suicide. Don't, don't take it too personally if you weren't there for your friend when they died. Or you were there and you didn't say something you know, right shortly beforehand. Because I've known of a lot of people that have committed suicide after one of their loved ones committed suicide. And they commit suicide because they, they somehow take the blame for something that happened to somebody else. Or maybe maybe somebody dies in a car crash and you were at fault or whatever the, the thing is, don't take things too seriously like that. Life and death are in God's hands and the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And so when we can realize that, realize that we're no one, we weren't their savior, we're not their savior, Jesus is their savior, then I think it can, can help us not end up in that position. That's all I have. I don't know if you have anything you want to add, Patrick, but. No, I think we're good. We're 15 minutes over. So. Hopefully someone got some perspective as far as what the Bible says about it. And, uh, you know, and it was a help in some way with that, uh, be sure to check us out on Spotify and Google play download, uh, listen to and share. And, uh, we will see everybody next week when we go over children. What does God say about children? How should they be raised? How does that work? And, um, yeah. So everyone have a good week and we'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you.